Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. All right, today we're going to talk about the good works that we are destined to do according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. If you recall last Sunday that we were together, we have established through the scriptures two vital and important truths. First, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit within us, empowering us to face and overcome every test and every trial we may face. Second, we have also established that His presence within us empowers us to fulfill our God-given purpose and finish the good works which the Father prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, these are the two truths that we have established last Sunday in my teaching. Therefore, we conclude that our greatest need as disciples of Christ is to cultivate and develop an intimate personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Without Him, we are powerless and helpless. And we need to learn how to yield constantly as we walk with Him. We need to learn how to depend and how to rely on the Holy Spirit more and more in our walk of faith. So, before we go any further, let's read once again the foundation scriptures for our lesson today. The first one is taken from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and the second one from Titus chapter 2, verse 14. And I'm reading from the New, King's ja New King James Version. Let's read the first one from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 says, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Therefore, we conclude that fulfilling our purpose and reaching our heavenly goal means that we complete the works which we have been assigned to do in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 also says that we are not saved by works. We are saved by grace through faith for the purpose of of walking in good works. It's important for us to understand that. Works cannot save us. No matter how good they are in our own eyes, 
they are unable to save us. We are saved by faith, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. But when we get saved, the Word of God tells us that we are to walk in the good works which our Heavenly Father has prepared beforehand for us that we should complete. Now, you may ask the question that what type of works are labeled as good in the eyes of God? What kind of works is the Bible speaking about? Well, before I answer that question, let's define what is not a good work. The Bible speaks of dead works. In several places in the New Testament, the Bible refers to dead works. So these dead works, according to the Scriptures, they're not acceptable to God. In fact, the Scripture commands us to repent and turn away from dead works. That's found in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. So, first of all, dead works are the works of spiritually dead people trying to reach God or attain salvation through their own effort. And religion has many of those works. The second definition of a dead work is a work that is initiated or inspired and birthed by our own efforts in relying on the strength of our human nature. In other words, they are works of the flesh and not of the spirit. Now, these kind of works generate a prideful attitude and, of course, human boasting, which is an abomination in the eyes of God. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that no flesh can glory in God's presence. It's important. We cannot stand before God on that day and say, I did this and I did that, therefore I deserve this or I deserve that. Scripture is very clear on this subject. Now, let's define now what is classified as a good work. James, the Apostle James, in his epistle, gives us the answer to that question. And I'm going to give you the answer from the Scriptures. James chapter 2, verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. From what James says, we draw the conclusion that the kind of works which are labeled as good works in the eyes of God are the works of faith the works of faith. Any work, indeed, or in word, that is inspired and executed by faith in God is a good work. 
If we look over in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible refers to the men and women of God who through their faith were able to accomplish the impossible. Faith energizes and empowers the believer to walk in those works that God assigned him to do. Jesus confirms this by the answer he gave to those who asked him this question. There was a time when uh, a number of people gathered around him and asked him this question, what shall we do that we may do the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So as you can see here, from the statement that Jesus made, that our faith in God and reliance on the Spirit within will inspire and initiate these good works we are purposed to walk in. Another way in which we can define a good work is a work that is done by the grace of God working through us. The grace of God working through us. In other words, it is Christ within us doing and working the works of God as we yield and surrender ourselves in obedience to his word. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 confirms this truth. This is what it says. Philippians 2 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You see, this statement confirms that it is God who works in us and through us that which is pleasing to his sight. That is a good work. So it is no longer our works, but his works. Therefore, we cannot take any credit or any glory for those works that he does through us. Paul the Apostle said in Galatians that he has nothing to boast because through the cross of Christ he was crucified. And in another place he confirms that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 he also said, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Now, if he had stopped there, then of course we would, uh, we would assume that he was bragging about the works that he did. But he didn't stop there. He clarified his statement by saying, Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So what the apostle said here is that he worked harder, harder than any other apostle, did more works than the other apostles did, but he clarified that statement by saying that it was not him doing the works, but the grace of God that was with him. Do you see that? Not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Christ himself, don't forget, he never took credit for any of the works that he did. 
or any of the words that he spoke. In John chapter 14, verse 10, Jesus said, Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. You see it. Jesus said that anything he did, it was not him, it was the Father working through him that did the works. That's humility. That is the lowest form, or the highest form, I should say, of a, of a humble person. I trust that as I shared these truths with you, that I was able to explain and define clearly the difference between a dead work and a good work. The good works are the works that the grace of God does through us as we surrender ourselves to the Spirit of God within us to work that which is pleasing to our Heavenly Father. A dead work is a work that is done by our own human nature or ambition, or as the scripture says, selfish ambition. And the scripture warns us not to do anything out of selfish ambition or, or, or vain glory. It is the work that is reliant on the human strength and on the human nature rather than the grace of God. That's a dead work. So, <clears throat> these good works, or I'd like to call them as divine assignments, are given to us by God for the purpose of extending the influence of God's kingdom in our spheres of influence, where we live, where we work, where we interact with people. Through our good works, or the works of God that are done through us, God the Father is glorified because these works testify of the salvation we receive through Christ. And of course, these good works that God does through us cause us to shine brighter and brighter into a world that is covered in complete darkness. So, <clears throat> now that we have established what is a good work, let's proceed a little further in our study to discover how are these works communicated to us. How are we to know what God has ordained for us to do, and what kind of works our Heavenly Father has prepared for us to do while we are here on the earth. The works of God are hidden in the Scriptures for every single one of us. In fact, the Bible says that our entire life and journey from beginning to end on this earth is hidden in the scriptures. Psalm 139 confirms this. The word says in verse 16, you saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, 
the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. That is a tremendous revelation. That tells us that before we were even born, God knew us. He designed a beautiful life for us to live on this side of heaven. Just like any loving father has dreams for his children, even our Heavenly Father has beautiful dreams for every single one of us. He designed and purposed our life, the works we are to do, the place we are to live, the country in which we are to live, even the family in which we are to be born into. God planned all that before you even showed up on this earth. Jeremiah also confirms this. In chapter 1, verse 4, the word says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. You see, this was not just spoken or written about Jeremiah, but to every human being that is born into this world. God knew you before you were born. You're not an accident. Are you listening to me? God planned your life from the very beginning. And in fact, the Bible says that he has written a book about you, about your life, about the works that you are to do, about the people you are to relate with. All of those things were planned by God before you and I showed up. So, the only way for us to discover our God-given will, our God-given purpose, is to become diligent students of the Bible. That's where Jesus found himself. In fact, everything that Jesus did was to fulfill what was written about him. The same applies to you and I. When we discover the will of God for our lives and the purpose of God for our lives, we are empowered by the Spirit. When we discover what God planned for us to do, who He planned for us to be, and we align ourselves with His plan, with His purpose, with His will, then we become supernatural beings living a fulfilled and a joyous life. And that's what God desires for every single one of us. And I do believe with all of my heart, until and unless a person discovers this, has a revelation of who God has called him to be, what God has destined him to do or destined her to do, we will never find fulfillment and we will never experience the joy or the kind of life that Jesus came to give us. So it's important that we find ourselves in the Scriptures. That's where you are. That's where your life is hidden. That is where all of those works that you are destined to do are in the Scriptures. The Bible is not only the inspired Word of God, but also our map and our guide for a successful and a prosperous life. 
The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 119, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Then again, the psalmist said in 119, in Psalm 119, The entrance of your word brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. The more you study the word, under the guidance and the illumination of the Spirit, the more you will find light and truth concerning your life, concerning your future, and concerning what God has assigned for you to do. So as you read, as you study the Word of God, the Holy Spirit illuminates the Scriptures. That's why we should, we should take time to not just read, but study the Word, meditate in the Word. This is so important, folks. I cannot stress this enough. God told Joshua back in the Old Covenant, this, this book of the law, or this Word that I'm giving you, do not let it depart from before your, your mouth, but you will meditate in a day and night so that you may observe to do all that is written therein. We need to actually meditate, take time. You know, most times when we read or study the Bible, our mind is full of other things, full of our responsibilities, full of the things that we need to do. You need to sit down and take time and quieten your mind, and in that stillness and quietness of our soul and the mind, Read and study the Word. When you read that Word, God is speaking to you. That's why we should write at the opening of our Bible. If we got a paper Bible, you should write in it, This is my Bible. God talks to me through my Bible. I cannot tell you the, the strength, the guidance, the revelation I received and I continue to receive from the Word of God. It's so important. So as you read and study the Word with an open mind, with an illuminated mind, the scriptures that apply to you and your situation will be highlighted by the Spirit that lives within you. And the wonderful thing about the Father is that He didn't just give us a book. He also gave us the author of the book, the Holy Spirit, to guide us into all the truth. That's what Jesus said. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. And truth is in the scriptures. So this is, this is not the only way that God ministers and speaks to us, but I would say the primary way that God communicates with us. One of the um, sessions we had in Kingdom Leaders Somebody asked a question to Trish about how did she know and all of that. So Trish was very simple in answer. Just read your Bible and listen to God. <laughs> that's, a, that's, the, that's the simplest way I can put it. Read your Bible and listen to God. Listen to what he says to you through the scriptures. So it's important to mention here that there are works prepared and intended not just for individuals, but for local churches, works that are prepared for a ministry, a family, as well as works that are designed specifically 
for you as an individual. I recall the very first assignment or work I received from the Lord was just after I was born again. I received the Holy Spirit. My life had changed. I, was, I became a brand new creation. I didn't know the term being born again at that time. But I developed this intense hunger to read the Bible, to read the Word. And in reading my Bible, I came across a verse of Scripture from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 8, particularly verse 39. As I'm reading, this is what it said. Return to your own house. Tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Now remember, if you're a student of the Bible, you will know that these words were spoken by Jesus to the demoniac from Gadara, whom Jesus delivered from the legion of demons. But when I read those words, it was like the Holy Spirit was speaking directly to me because the Holy Spirit illuminated those, those words that I read. And it was like he was commissioning me to do the same. I received this assignment from the Lord, understanding that it was the Lord speaking to me through his word and telling me to go and tell all the members of my household what Jesus did for me. Well, I did exactly that. And even I went beyond members of my family into the Greek community, I testified and I told everyone who was willing to listen what happened to me, how Jesus saved me, delivered me from my own uh, rebellious attitude, and brought me back to my wife, restored my marriage, and did this wonderful work in saving my soul. Well, I made a lot of people angry, though and attracted much persecution. They didn't want to hear about it. Oh, you've changed your religion. What happened to you? And all of that, particularly from my own household. And, um, and, 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 but I did exactly what the Lord told me to do. Lo and behold, some members of my community believed as a result of my own testimony when I shared the good news with them. And I'm just giving you an example how the Lord through the scriptures and the guidance of his spirit will guide us and illuminate those godly assignments, these godly works that have been prepared for us to do while on this side of heaven. So it's important to note here that this work of telling others what Jesus did for you did not just apply to me, but I believe it applies to every born-again believer who received grace, who received salvation through Jesus Christ. We are to go and tell others, our family, our friends, our colleagues, our employers, our employees, the wonderful things Jesus did for us. That is a godly work. That is a good work. We are not to keep it secret, but shout it from the rooftops. Jesus said, 
that no one lights a candle and puts it under the table, but on a lampstand. So if Jesus lit your candle, don't put it under the table. Don't be embarrassed or shy to tell others what Jesus did for you. Because Jesus said, whoever is ashamed of me and this gospel and denies him before men, he said he will also deny him before the Father which is in heaven. Are you still out there? You know, testifying and telling others what Jesus did for us, I believe is one of the first good works or assignments we are to be continually doing after we get saved. I know that not too much emphasis or preaching is given nowadays to this work of telling others about Jesus, but I can assure you that this is a very, very important work. You will not grow spiritually, I believe, if you hide your salvation or being afraid or embarrassed of telling others what the Lord Jesus personally did for you. Now, unless, of course, you have not received a revelation of his great salvation. The Bible says that we were by nature children of wrath, children of the devil. You might, you might have been a good person, never did anything wrong or committed a, a theft or some of these what we label great sins, but you were still a sinner. The Bible says we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We deserve to be punished, eternally separated from God, burning in the lake of fire. That's what the scripture says. But God, who is rich in mercy, delivered us from the penalty of death, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we have something to shout about, folks. And I believe the more you tell others about Jesus, the more bold and courageous and the more joy you will have, and you will grow by leaps and bounds. Psalm 107 verse 2 says in the Passion Translation, So go ahead, let everyone know it. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness and gathered us together from all over the world. He has set us free to be his very own people. What a wonderful God we serve. So, don't underestimate your testament. In fact, I, I, I counsel everyone, write your own testimony down. You may say, well, I don't have a great testimony like you, Pastor. I, I was a good boy. I was a good girl. You were a rotten sinner. You did this and that. But, you know, uh, I grew up in a godly home and all of that well. You may have, you may, it may be so in your case, but you still have a testimony. Write down and share it. Maybe you, you don't want it, but that's, I did. I wrote my testimony down. Not because I'm a pastor, because I was impressed by the Spirit to do that. Trusting that my testimony will encourage someone. You may have been healed by some disease. You may have been delivered from some habitual sin. You may have been uh, restored to a relationship that was broken. But even if that is not the case, the Word of God says we have been delivered from the power of darkness and we have been brought into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We are children of the living God. 
And that is a wonderful testimony. Amen. And I believe to keep quiet is selfish and prideful. We have a wonderful Savior who is full of mercy and grace, longing to reach the lost, the destitute, the suffering, and the lonely. So let's get excited, folks. Amen. Lord, teach us, we pray, and help us not to be ashamed of you and your gospel, but to boldly testify of your great mercy toward us, to tell others about you and the wonderful work you have done in our life. So furthermore, as I conclude, the Word of God will guide you further and further and give you more and more light as you obey what is revealed to you through the Spirit. And remember this, if you're not obedient to the light you receive, to walk in that light, God is not going to give you any further light. Are you listening to me? You need to be faithful in the least so that God can entrust you with greater things. The Word of God will guide you further into your God-given works as you apply yourself to obey the Lord and to walk in the light He gives you through the Spirit. And remember this, His Word speaks to husbands, to wives, to parents, to children, to widows, to employers, to employees, to young and old, instructing us how to live and what is expected of us. And this is clearly revealed in the epistles that Paul wrote to Titus and to Timothy, instructing them to point out these good works to the people they were shepherding. And we're going to read a few verses from the epistle of Titus, chapter 2. Paul writes to Titus and he says, Instruct the old men to be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not given to much wine, teachers of good things that they may admonish the young women to love the husbands, to love the children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing to say evil of you. And then he goes on to servants, to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, but showing good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. You see, these good works, they adorn the gospel that we preach. You cannot testify and preach the gospel and live a life that is not worthy of the gospel. And Paul again, writing to Timothy, he exhorts him and he tells him uh, when it comes to the rich in this world, he says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich 
in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So as I close this message today, I want to encourage you, search the scriptures, spend time in the word, folks. Locate yourself in the scriptures and receive his revelation concerning the works he has purposed and destined for you to do. And one of the things that I did that helped me greatly in the early stages of my walk with God was to write down the words that were addressed to me specifically as a husband, as a father, as an employer, as a church member, and a member of my Greek community. As a husband to my wife, I search the word. What does the word say to husbands? It says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Lay down your life for her. As a father to my children, he commands the fathers, the parents, to nurture, to teach, to train their children in the admonition of the Lord. As an employer, I was to respect and treat my employees in a godly manner, paying them what is due. As a church member, I was to support my church in every way, to submit, to honor my pastor, to be available to use my gifts, my time, my resources, to help build the people of God. All of these form part of the good works we are to be walking in, as well as other works which, of course, the Spirit of God will lead us into. Next week, we're going to go into part two, and I will also reveal or share with you some of the other ways that God ministers to us or reveals to us what those works are. And um, so I look forward to the next week's teaching. So let's pray over the word that we received in the meantime. Father, we thank you so much for the revelation you have given us through the scriptures. Lord, help us and teach us to understand the value of the scriptures. You didn't just give us a book, Lord, but you gave us yourself, your spirit, to lead us into these scriptures so that we may know, that we may understand your will, your plan, and the works you have designed for us to walk into. Father, we pray that you will birth within us such a desire and a passion for the scriptures that we may become diligent students of your word in Jesus' precious and wonderful name and find those works which you have destined for each one of us to do so that we may be well-pleasing to you, Father. I pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom, Lord, and spiritual understanding so that we may bring glory to your wonderful name. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.